EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to this week's episode of EST. I'm hanging out with my buddy Josh King, our, our token Texan. That's right. You like that? The token Texan? Howdy. You know, yeah. my family, my mom's family's all from Texas. I guess I could claim some sort of Texas roots. Wichita Falls, right? Wichita Falls. That's their home. Yeah. They're from I would Wichita. say it's a great little town. It is. But... It's uh, one of my favorite barbecue joints in the country is there. But what were you going to say? I'm just, it, it's, it's, it's Wichita Falls. It's a great it town. Is. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> I love everybody that lives there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say something else, Josh? I don't really like it. Sounds like I'm implying something. It's just people like in the major like cities, you know, Wichita Falls, it's like Shreveport or a snob uh, is what you are. Yeah, Josh. I know. You're I, know. Straight I up live snob. in Dallas. You know, I was in Austin one time. <laughs> and, uh, we were at a homeless um, pantry or food kitchen type of thing, and we were about to serve the people and i was with uh, i don't know 30 40 students and and the people that you know kind of ran the facilities they said now when you go out there they're going to try to grab this food off of these plates so what you have to do is be very assertive and tell people sit down wait it'll you know we have to wait and this kind of stuff so be very assertive so that's what they coached us to do i walk out the door i had three or four plates on a tray and somebody went to kind of they weren't being mean or anything they just went to kind of grab one i said hold on just a second you know, they said we need to wait. He looked at me and says, you're from Dallas, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's I was, awesome. I was so offended. I looked at him yes. and go, I am. Sit down. You know, and then I got real kind of aggressive about it. Yeah. yeah. Dallas folks from Dallas are historically known for over importance, but anyway, that's a whole nother That's true. Issue. That is very yeah. true. Anyway, well, I was going to say a few other things, but we'll move on to the topic. So why don't you describe the topic just a little bit for us, Josh? Just this idea. We, we want to talk today about the Bible, the centrality of the Bible in right. relationship to helping people grow to be disciples. So how would you clarify specifically the topic? I mean, every church you know about, everybody, the churches that run, the people that listen to this show, we, we have a, an importance of the scripture. Of course, that's what we're going to preach. That's This is why we gather. We're going to learn from this book about about Jesus, those sort of things. And so uh, we know it's important. The problem is that if you were just kind of attending our churches, you would begin to think that the greatest discipline of our churches would be attending a small group yeah, or, or you know, giving or worship or just attending worship yeah, yeah, or inviting people. It depends on the different sort of um, churches you go to and their style and their, and their method of ministry. However, recently or semi-recently, there is some evidence that backs up. Maybe there's another discipline that we should really be pushing more than anything. And why? Yeah, so that's, yeah, kind of what no, we're talking that's about exactly right. So um, some of this comes from some research that was done right before I started working at Lifeway, uh, specifically when I worked for Lifeway Research. They did this huge research project on discipleship. What is it that makes disciples? And um 
they tried to get at this from a purely analytical perspective. Basically, mm. what what are the common characteristics of growing disciples across all of evangelicalism? So regardless of denominational tradition or worship style or the size of church or the age of the demographic, what are the common elements of discipleship? And um, they found eight consistently popping up. And mm. uh, uh, the eight were Bible engagement, obeying God and denying self, serving God and others, sharing Christ, exercising faith, seeking God, building relationships, and what they called unashamed or, or being transparent. Um, I'm really impressed you you shot out all eight of those. Well, I'm, I'm super impressed with that. Possible I have the list pulled up in front of me. <laughs> 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 just maybe. <laughs> I, I hope I was, or a, you good, just I hope I was a good employee at Lifeway. I don't think I was that good of an employee. <laughs> right, right. But so, anyway, okay. so those were the eight characteristics. And here's what we found. This is what's really intriguing. Of the eight, seven characteristics of discipleship have equal bearing on the growth and progress of a disciple. There was mm. one attribute of discipleship that if we learned how, how a church was doing with respect to this one area, we could have a pretty good uh, picture of how they were doing in all of the other areas. In other words, this was the linchpin to discipleship. And if this one went well, it raised the level of all of the other seven attributes of discipleship. And, and that one was? That one was daily Bible reading. Wow. Um, we called it Bible engagement in the research. Uh, but basically, when your people read their Bible every day, it raises their practice of all all of these other areas of discipleship. So sharing your faith, serving, obeying God and denying self, seeking God, building relationships, transparency, all these other attributes or characteristics of discipleship are all radically influenced by reading your Bible. Reading every your day. Bible. So wow. what we want to talk about today is this, how do we prioritize the word in our churches? And, um, when I used to walk around and not walk around, when I used to travel around the country with Lifeway and I would train pastors and we would talk about this topic, I would ask, you know, I would say, you know, drum roll, please. The one element that stands above all the rest is daily Bible reading. And it was almost as if there was a collective, oh, you know, that would come from whatever group I was with. I mean, everybody's like, well, <laughs> of course. I mean, we all know that. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. We, we get that. But I would follow it up with the next question. And this was the next question. Okay. So I get that it's everybody agrees with it. It's not surprising. So in what specific ways are you pushing your people to read their Bible every day? What mm. are the concrete characteristics of your leadership and your church that right. actively push people into daily Bible reading? And mm. less than 10% of the people I would talk to would have any specific plan to push their people into the Bible every day. That's, that's crazy. It is. But And if you took a, if you even took a step further back, and just looked at the holistic of like, say, a year long program in a church. Right. Each of right. them, usually most churches of, of size could say, this is when we do our big evangelism, you know, campaign. This is when right. we do our big giving campaign. Right. And what you're saying and what Lifeways research found out was, well, it almost begs the question, when do you do your big daily Bible reading campaign <laughs> or your big Bible reading yeah, and emphasis if, so or teaching on that. Let me back up though. I would say the campaign is important and it matters. And sure. we live in a campaign culture. And, you know, even if your church is an organic church, um, there are attractional elements to almost every church on the, in, in the American marketplace. Right. So mm -hmm. that's reality. But I think this is a level beyond 
um, an event or a campaign. I, I yeah, think I was we'll, saying campaign symptomatically. Not, yes, no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not. Dis- yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you, Josh. I, I'm just. I want okay. our folks who are listening to think differently about it. I don't want them just right. to go, "Hey, we're going to do it at the first of the year. We're going to fix all these problems by putting out a daily Bible reading plan." Though that's a good mm. idea. So it's, not, it's a step. It's a good yeah. step. And you want to create that discipline. What you need to do more than anything, and by the way, this is true. We, we ought to have an entire episode on this. Um, programs don't change a church for the in the long, over the long run. Culture changes a church over the long run, right? right? Now, programs can be a tool to change culture, but you what you want is not new programs. You want to change culture. So the bigger question is, how do we create a culture of Bible reading in our church? So mm-hmm. let's ask that question, Josh. What okay. can a pastor do? to change the church culture, to push it to become a culture of disciple-making? What would you say to mm. that? As far as specifically with the Bible? I mean, what would you, if you were a pastor who is brand new in a church, and you're not, I mean, how long have you been at Saxe? Six years now? Seven years? Yeah, almost seven. Almost seven years. Uh, see, look at that. I thought I knew what that was. Um, <laughs> let's say you're sitting back asking the question, how do I build a culture of daily Bible reading in my church? What are the things sure. you do? Outside of okay. a daily Bible reading plan, which is a really good place to begin. But outside of that, yeah. that's the obvious. What else do you do to create a culture of daily Bible reading? Yeah, so I, we've actually tried to institute this, and I think we are making – there's some measurable headway that we can see in this. And so there's a number of things. I'll just kind of rattle off what we've done. I think first of all is to kind of get a bearing of where you are. So we do an annual check-in, check-up type of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of churches do these, I think. And we send out a a form. It's an online form. There's also paper forms. We actually track people down and ask them to go ahead and do their check-in, check-up. The check-in part is just to kind of see, you know, is your address still the same? That sort of stuff. The check-up part, we're asking very targeted questions, and there's a good number of them. It's not a very long form. Right. But there's a good number of them that get at this. How often do you read your Bible? How often do you read your Bible with other people outside of when the, the preacher reads the text? How often do you read your Bible? Those sort of things. And um, so I would encourage people, if you can, to begin by kind of seeing where you are, because then in the years from now, you can you can measure that again. So that's where we start with. And and we found a, a certain number years ago that this is how many people were reading their Bible. Some of the steps that we took to increase that were um, one of the things that I, I try to do regularly is incorporate what I'm reading in my weekly devotionals or my daily devotionals into my preaching. So I'll say. You know, this week I was reading about this text, which wasn't, you know, I'm not reading a Bible study on what I'm preaching, but they relate in this way. Let me show you how they relate. So constantly bringing that up to the front. The other thing that we we're huge fans of Uversion Bible app here yes. at uh-huh. Saxe Church. We push that a lot because it's so easy. Everybody can get, you know, on the same translation, which, of course, I fully endorse the Christian Standard Bible. And we kind of push them along that direction. Also, you've got the events where they can kind of follow up. We can give them um, some, or they can follow as I preach. And then the other one is the Bible reading plan, which I don't know if you know about this, but just recently, I think this last week, they unveiled the feature where you can now read as a group. And so, oh no, uh, we, yeah. So I started one. You just pick one. I picked John Piper's um, um, Advent reading. And then I went through all of my friends and invited them. And there's a little link within our Facebook group that I kept sharing saying, read with me, read with me. And so every morning as I'm reading, there's a there's a little ditty by you know John Piper. Then there's some text um, that you read from the scriptures. Then there's a section where you comment on that reading. 
every single morning, I'm seeing a couple dozen of our people commenting on the same text. We are all reading this thing together every day. Some people reading it in the evening, some people at lunch break, et cetera, but we're seeing all of that. And I get to go through and like or respond in some way. So my thing is try to make the reading a bit more social and to where there is sort of a check in, checking in and encouragement to one another. We're going to read this together. So regularly in our sermon series, we will dedicate some text and say, read this together as a church. We will check in in our small groups. Did you read as a, as a, as a small group, et cetera. So those are some things I, we really kind of the, the making the daily readings more social helped. The other side of that, this may sound counterintuitive is if you just pound, read the Bible through, read the Bible through, read the Bible through and daily reading, daily reading, daily reading, it be, it looks so big. It looks so like, I can't do that, which is crazy. You can read the Bible through in a relatively short amount of time. But if you just say for this series, for the next eight weeks, we are going to read John together. So read with me, John, and you're daily posting, you're asking people and all that. Sort of stuff. I found a lot more engagement in that. And that lasts for, you know, eight weeks. And then we, we don't make an emphasis the next two or three series. We make it again and again. And I'm seeing that we're picking up people. If we make it social and we make it more short term and achievable. Yeah. So what about you? So what you're, let's hang on just a second. Let's boil down okay. to what you're, what you just said. You've basically yeah. said, um, you model it publicly before mm -hmm. your people and you create social right. engagement opportunities to, um, to, invite others to join you in the process. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So those are, I think those are both really good measures to take. And I think those mm -hmm. are uh, measures that acknowledge the cultural environment that we're in right now. Right. So right. using things like social um, to help advance those things. Yeah. I would say mm -hmm. there's a few other things that, that I, I would do. One, we try and place a high level of prominence on the Bible itself. Um, mm, like during the service or yes, all the way from our purpose. Um, so like our, our strategy as a church is deliver disciple deploy. And it begins with, we deliver the word, we disciple the believer, we deploy the church. So we begin with delivering the word as the foundational cornerstone for what we do as a church. The word is at the heart of everything we do. And then, um, when it comes to Sundays, we do simple things like preaching through books of the Bible generally expository sermons. Now I know there's a lot of disagreements on expository versus topical and that's fine. And I'm not opposed to topical sermons. Um, mm -mm. we intentionally do expository sermons at our church for a number of reasons, but one of which is because we value the word and we want our people to see us actively valuing the word. I'm old school this way. You've heard me and seen me preach live a few times, Josh, when I preach, right. I ask people to stand when we read the word together at the beginning of the mm -hmm. sermon. Look, there's, there's nothing that says that has to happen. What I'm trying to do is instill subliminally a message in my people's brains and hearts that the word matters. The word is central mm. to everything we do. And so, it's you know, true. we treat the word with a fair amount of seriousness and we center everything we do around the word. And, um, and, and in doing so, what we're trying to do is raise the prominence of the word in the church. Yeah. I think so. That brings up another kind of topic. How do you handle? I know some pastors who will not put the text up on, you know, the screen. Yeah. Magnificent. Yeah. They say, I want you to look it up in the actual printed Bible there in front of you. 
Where do you stand on sort of that? Yeah, and how so do you is navigate my, that? This is my pragmatism where my pragmatism does come out. I have no problem putting the scripture on the screens and we do put it on the screens. Um, I want people to see the word. And I recognize mm -hmm. that a fair amount of people come to the church without a Bible. And if I didn't put it up on the screens, they're still not going to come to church with a Bible. Um, right. We want to raise and, and not to mention, I have no problem with a digital or, you know, digital version of the word. I mean, I recognize that particularly in some of our services, uh, probably half those reading the Bible are doing so on some sort of a digital device. So right. that doesn't bother me that much. So I, I have no concern. To me, it's a bigger issue to keep the word in front of people. So I want mm. them to see it. And I like the idea of putting it up on the screen so that they can see it. What do you do? We're kind of in the middle. So the main text, you know, I'm a one point preacher. So the main text will be up there and we we put that on there and then I'll kind of walk through that text. Any other text that I go to, mm -hmm. we won't put those on the screen. Yeah. The other thing that I'm real, uh, we emphasize is almost every single week I walk through how to actually use the Bible. Cause I think that's another barrier yeah. with people. So yeah. what I'll say is, uh, this morning we're in what's called uh, Luke two. So if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, grab it. And then I'll even hold my Bible up and say, it's about this far along. So look at that. It's about this far along. You, you kind of thumb to the back and then you'll see Luke up at the top and we're in the second chapter. So what that means is kind of scroll your eyes. You'll see a big two. That's where you want to kind of be in that section. And if you look down a little more, we're going to be in verse 11. So the little ones are called verses because you and I grew up in church, but a lot of people didn't. And there's no other book like the Bible period, but there's also no other book that's set up this way. It's hard to kind of like, you don't realize. So this one thing has 66 books in it. And then the chapters aren't divided by pages. They're kind of just in the middle of the column. And then the little ones aren't called lines. They're called verses, you know? So, um, when preachers assume a knowledge of the Bible, then they make a barrier. I think that people don't really feel comfortable with. Yeah. And, and, and if you're just sitting there by a bunch of church people, maybe you're new and you're like, I don't even know how to get in that. And so another phrase I'll say regularly is in the, in the front of every Bible's a table of contents. If you don't know how to get to a certain book, use that because that's what it's there for. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. So kind of, and I also take the time to, and these are intentional decisions. I take the time to um, flip through my Bible to find the next verse that I'm going to go to. Now I'm a little faster than, you know, the average person sure. like you are because we're preachers, but I'll take that time because I know some people like to streamline it all, have the verse ready, have it all printed out there. I like the, time that you know that we're actually using this bible and i don't mind i'm with you i don't mind the 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 digital version or in fact one of the things that i've told people before say isn't that a great verse like we'll read it isn't that a great verse those of you who are using a digital go ahead and share that out share that verse on your social media real mm -hmm. quick because that's such a great verse and so you're just incorporating some of that emphasizing the way it is and how to actually use it i think those are some keys that i've heard number one people say man i've never been to a church before but i don't feel like this one makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like it helps with, because of that. And the other thing is it starts to even those other people that are sitting there. They're like, There's like a built-in kind of thing. If you know how to use the Bible, you're kind of like, Oh, I, I know I'll, I'll, I'll beat Josh to the text before he's done, you know, <laughs> you know, describing the address on how to get there. <laughs> so, so we'll do that. Occasionally I'll say, man, the Bible's so great. It's God's word to us. Let me see your Bibles. If it's a digital device or something, just, just hold it up. You don't have to, shove it up in the air, but just let me see it. I mean, those look great, you know, right. stuff like that. So little sayings to always emphasize, I want to go to the Bible for my answers instead of Josh King's opinion or, 
even John Piper, John MacArthur's opinion. I want to go to the word of God yeah. for those. Opinions. And I think so. another another question to ask, Josh, as you think about how do we push our people into the word is outside of the worship service, um, other opportunities that your people have to gather, whether it be a Wednesday night Bible study or a Sunday school or a small group. How many of those times are legitimately centered around digging into the word, unpacking mm, the word, applying the word? Yeah. Or are they topical thematic studies from a smart person? I mean, look, those can be really helpful at times. Mm -hmm. You know, a topical or a thematic study um, from someone who's a really helpful writer. But that shouldn't be the meat of what you're offering at the church. If you rarely ask your people to dig in and 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 understand the word, learn the word, have the word, you know, marinate in their minds and and grab onto their hearts, then it's going to be hard to ever create an environment or a church or, you know, lead a place where the word is paramount and people prioritize. Mm. If the church doesn't prioritize the word, the people won't prioritize the word. Mm. Let me share with you another uh, sort of illustration or a pragmatic application of making the word central to to uh, your church life. So lots of churches, of course, we preach the Bible or we allude to it, even, you know, just to be real honest, we all know this is true. There are some people who like, um, you know, let's let's turn to this verse and then they never go back or even right. explain that verse. You right. know, they're just kind of. And so but at least they turn to the verse at the beginning right. where I find a lot of times churches diverge or, or move away from scripture being primary is in conflict. Right. So I, there have been several times where I'll just explain to the church, this is what I think you want to do. This is what your heart is saying in this situation and stuff, but we cannot do that. You're not allowed. Why? Because the word of God says that we're supposed to forgive or the word of God or the gospel doesn't allow for defense of ourselves. Instead, just like Jesus was silent as he took on the cross, we're going to be silent as we go through this as well. We're just going to move forward and we're going to use these things Another thing in, um, you know, my personal conviction about elders and such was just kind of looking at when we were rewriting our bylaws, I showed our church every element of our bylaws and said, when we could, when, when it made sense, we tried to be as biblical as possible. So turn in your Bibles to this text, that verse right there. And this other verse right here, this is why we made this quote unquote kind of standard. So, um, those that helped show we weren't just saying that on Sunday mornings. We were literally trying everything we could to emphasize these things. The other kind of example of that, which was kind of a fun or a silly example, was how old in, in a Baptist or a congregational style of church, how old, um, you know, I don't know what it is at Brainerd, how old do you have to be to vote on things? Yeah, I don't actually think we even do have, have a limit at our church. So we, we, we were coming across that part in the bylaws and we were asking ourselves, when should we do that? So... Is it 18? I mean, that's when you can, you know, you're an adult in America. You can vote. Is it 21? Because if you can drink, then you can vote, right? So, I mean, we were just trying to figure out what age should it be. So I remember getting to that point while we were explaining the bylaws to the church and said, we chose 13. Right. Why did we choose 13? Just because of the culture at the time, we thought it would be inconceivable to Paul that an 11 year old would make a decision, but it would not be, it would be inconceivable that a 13 year old would not be prepared to make that decision. Mm -hmm. So we put the line at 13 and I said, there's no Bible verse for this number. We just kind of thought that would be the most sense. So we're showing people that we go to the Bible first. And then when we don't, we use sort of culture or logic to figure it out. And that helped. Can I share one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, because it's not a okay. the Cowboys or the Texas Longhorns or something like that. We're good. <laughs> no, we're in hiding yeah, right now. Be. Next year. Next year. <laughs> I've heard that for a long uh. time. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years. Next year. Um, so the um, Bible memory, Bible memorization. So that's a big deal. Uh, and one of the things that we've just kind of gone old school on that. Um, we had a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we just had the kids memorize the Beatitudes. Before that, we had a series, man, I'm drawing a blank on what those texts were that they were memorizing. But when my series go through a certain chunk of text, we'll have them memorize. We'll, we'll do a punch card, a pre-done punch card. They get a piece of candy every week when they come. And it's based on the pastor's sermon. So it's all kind of integrated there together. They come, they say their Bible verse to any staff member can come up and we have all these little special, which we really like that because it's cool when little kids run up to me and tell me my, their verse. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily get a lot of interaction with the kids. And so I get to punch their card or sign their card. And then when they're done every week, what we have is one volunteer, a child before we dismiss them to kid church, they'll come up on the stage. I'll introduce them. And then in the microphone, they get to say the verse that they learned this week. It's not always perfect. It's not always the, the version that I would use or something like that, but we just kind of, we celebrate that and the whole church claps and it's a big deal. And then they run off to kid right. church and we do that every week. And then at the end of the series, when I'm closing out the series, we'll have all the kids who did, who got all their punches come up and they get a little bag of goodies and a certificate that says, I memorized the Beatitudes or I memorized, you know, something That's like awesome. that. Again, we don't do that every series. It's just key series throughout the year. But we saw a huge sort of measurable fruit. What the stories I love to seeing the kids, they can quote all the verses, seeing the kids interact with the staff. And then furthermore, Guess how many parents learned mm -hmm. all of the Beatitudes Guarantee. while their kids were learning the Beatitudes. That's right. So win, win, win. Super simple. Gets the kids on the stage, with which mom and dad and grandma loves. So, you know, it's got tons of stuff there that's so fun, but it emphasizes the scripture. It emphasizes the Bible. I love that, man. And, I think uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of fun. Total credit to Charity Wade, our, our children's minister, for all of that. She does a great job on those sort of ideas and manages it all. And so... Again, um, big deal. Another idea that she does that a lot of churches do is the Bible ceremony at a certain age. I think I've, I've seen you do this as well um, online. At a certain age, we buy Bibles or it, in our case, the parents buy the Bible, but then present them on a certain Sunday to their first graders. We do it at first grade age. Um, so um, we have all the kids up there kind of emphasize why the scripture is so important. And then the parents write a handwritten note, put it inside the Bible, and then we present it to each of the kids. They're on a Sunday morning. It doesn't cost the right. church anything. We didn't have to buy those Bibles. The parents bought the Bible that the mm -hmm. kid would want. And um, we actually sent them a list because we could get a discount if we you know, bought certain Bibles certain ways. So we sent them a list and let them pick out from those Bibles if they wanted to. And we ended up ordering them all, parents. So just another idea of easy, simple ways to emphasize Scripture from the very small age, but even doing it at a small age, emphasize it. Yeah, I think church. that's fantastic, Josh. I love the things you guys are doing at Saxe to push people into the word. And I love that we get an opportunity every week to talk to uh, listeners about leading the established church. You and I and Sam love leading the churches we get to lead and love just the church in general, the bride of Christ. And uh, yeah, hopefully your fo you folks who are listening are following us on social media. Uh, we would love, especially if you'd engage with us on Twitter and Facebook, let us know what things are happening at your church. Tell us stories of successes at your church. Ask us questions that you'd, uh, about things you'd like for us to address on a future episode. We try and do that regularly. And uh, make sure to share uh, the podcast episode 
on your social media streams. Invite your friends to check it out, and uh, and we'll be back next week, right, Josh? Anything you want to say as we close? No, just uh, you're talking about that social media there. Mike Hayes, he's uh, he's following us on Twitter at Britain Church. He's the pastor of Britain Christian Church in Oklahoma City. Thankful for him following us and everybody else that's following us on social media as well. But have a great week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.